0: Welcome to episode 249 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. Today, we're going to chat about a recent study, which was published in the journal Science by researchers at MIT Media Lab and the MIT Sloan School of Management, which showed that false news spreads more quickly online than truthful news. And we'll talk a little bit about the implications for our ongoing political discussions and possible impacts on society as a result. So let's start with a little bit about this study, which was just recently published in Science Magazine. And, uh, the purpose of it was to scientifically break down how, uh, news stories were spread online. Uh, specifically, uh, you know, part of the genesis, uh, for this study, of course, was understanding better how, uh, misinformation, uh, spreads on social media and sort of the growth of that phenomenon. So, I don't know if this was the expected result of the study, but um, the 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 research uh, which analyzed the uh, diffusion of all major true and false stories uh, that were uh, on on Twitter from you know the very start in 2006 to 2017, the conclusion that researchers came to was that uh, false stories. Spread significantly farther significantly faster and more broadly than uh uh true ones for all categories, so uh not just politics of course, but also business uh entertainment you name it if it was false, it was you know more likely to uh to spread and and also spread farther uh, in fact, the researchers found that. Uh, false stories were 70% more likely to be retweeted, uh, which is pretty significant. Um, now in particular, the false political stories were even a notch above that. They, they were more likely, uh, than, than other false stories to be spread. Uh, so, so, so the researchers had some conclusions about, you know, why this might be the case. And, uh, uh, one of the conclusions they reached was that there's uh a certain novelty to false information so it's information that you know seems unique different worth sharing uh to people so from from a sheer sort of interest standpoint the the novelty of these stories uh researchers felt was, was a a potential driving factor for, you know, why human beings uh, were sharing these stories. And just to be clear, they, they also did some, some controls for whether, you know, these were human beings or, or robots mm-hmm. uh spreading the false information. And they found some, you know, somewhat discouragingly that yes, you know, there are bots spreading information, but it is actually the human beings who are sort of providing the added uh the added juice, right, that makes these false stories propagate online that's more right. quickly. That's right. So so it is, you know, yes, we're worried about bots and you know that's a, a growing concern of course but it is the people who are who are driving fake fake stories online or or false rather let's use the term uh false stories Mm -hmm. because the the word fake has become uh politicized as uh you know somewhat uh strangely but you know that's uh that's how it is so uh first let's start with uh you know examining uh Sort of the the conclusions of, of of the research, which you know, I I thought were interesting. And and Dirk, as I was saying that, you you kind of smiled and you know, saying you know that it's the human beings who are spreading the false information. Well, what was your uh, what was your thought when when uh, uh, I looked over at you just now when when, when I said that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's no surprise in a certain way. I mean, as I started to read the the initial article, there were a couple of them. Um, very quickly, I was like, oh, I know why this is happening. And eventually, the article got to it. And the word that the article uses is novelty. It said that the false stories, as opposed to the stories that were true, had a higher degree of novelty. And, and you know, that taps into a few different things about, about humans. I mean, one, um, novel stories in the sense of something that's surprising or different. And so, that's something that would lead a person to want to share it. Um, you know, novelty in the sense that something is... Um, outrageous. Something is more, um, it is beyond reality in a certain way that gets someone excited and and makes them want to share it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, for me, it wasn't a surprise. It was more, you know, if somebody asked me to sort of um, deconstruct this psychologically, this is about where I would get, although it's interesting that they have, um, you know, quantitative research and Numbers behind it that they can prove the phenomenon, as opposed to, you know, just sort of a more of an intuition level deconstruction.
0: Yeah, I I, I feel like there's there's something to be found here in in terms of uh, sort of you know breaking down how this uh, this false information is sort of underpins you know our our discussions whether it's about. Uh, politics or entertainment or or business. And, and I think, you know, for me, the, the idea that false information is growing online, and that it actually spreads more, more quickly, I find that, um, you know, I find that alarming, because it it didn't, you know, quite match my worldview, which is that there is, you know, that, of course, facts matter, and that we should search out facts to make make decisions, uh, you know, I, I do think social media exposes a side of, of human life that, um, you know, is always present, uh, but is not necessarily exposed to everyone all the time. So, so, you know, the idea of the rumor, right? Like this false thing that, you know, back in the, in the quaint, you know, days of the the '90s when I was in in high school. Uh, you know, the idea college, of, right, Sean? Well, high school and college, right? Uh, 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 you know, the idea of the 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 rumor about you know, let's let's just stick to you know the idea of gossip like that. That was something that spread you know and uh, sort of quickly. And uh, you know, we didn't have social media at the time, but it, you know, it was it was word of mouth. So so this idea that there could be interesting right novel information about someone or something that you're uh you know sort of following paying attention to in this you know in in the case i'm describing you know maybe it's a person and you know perhaps you know are you know you're aware maybe it's not true but it's really fun you know to to share this information hence hence the the rumor mill right you know this of course is all replicated in social media and has more of a permanent presence in our life now which makes it uh harder to ignore and you could certainly say ah i'm not going to pay attention to rumors right but they're not s- constantly scrolling on your phone in the same you know like yeah. like if if you're in a more analog world uh you know it's it's not this constant Drumbeat of pressure that that misinformation applies now uh, in some way because we're all attached to our devices, uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form, checking them tens, maybe hundreds of times a day. Uh, so, so it surfaced this level of human behavior. It's uh, accelerated it to a presence in our mind that's ongoing. I, I wonder what the implications are just in terms of our ability to filter false information and make good decisions, whether it's around politics, which is always sort of a hot topic, or even you know, around other other kinds of uh decision-making in our lives and our businesses, et cetera. Like what, what are the consequences of having a more omnipresent misinformation, you know, set of misinformation? Does it matter? Well, I mean, stepping stepping back, you covered a lot of ground there. So
1: I think gossip is a really good analog, right? So got most gossip is false. I mean, we played telephone as little kids and we learned once it's one person's into another one's ear, into another one's ear, into another one's ear, the story gets uh, twisted badly and changed badly. So I would say that the spreading of false Information via Twitter and other mechanisms is just an extension of, you know, gossip that goes back to the earliest human communication, I would, I would imagine. Um, so it's just part and parcel of the human experience in a certain way. It's presence on a medium like Twitter is showing us the unintended consequences of removing the editorial layer from uh, public information sharing and discourse, right? I mean, the uh, Twitter is basically self editorial. Um, and frankly, uh, one of the reasons that the information spreads more when it's false is because once people realize it's true, there's nothing, there's no value there. It's sort of, it's sort of something that uh, you know other people know sharing with other people is pointless. Something that's false people aren't sure about and so they keep going like really you know they put it out there oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god so um it, it just sort of it just sort of makes sense um uh, you know but there are there are downsides and we're seeing more and more of them to the removal of the editorial layer from uh you know from the information that that seems more formal and packaged and that we consume as a culture whether it's Twitter or Medium or Quora, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the, it has the pluses of the wisdom of the crowds, but it has the minuses of the wisdom of the crowds as well. And, you know, we, the, it, it would take, you know, cataclysmic events to go back to a world where most of what we consumed has the formal editorial layer. But um, I think that we're missing it. And I think that we'll start to see more and more of it in certain ways because of the weaknesses and the things like spreading falsehoods that come, you know, come in this environment where it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a huge information filtering problem, which was at one point uh, mitigated by the presence of the this editorial layer. Of course, uh, the editorial layer is a type of power, right? So you are you know actively raising up certain things and and downplaying others um at the same time no person has the time just the physical time to filter information in in the way that that uh we're being asked to right now and i think the um it's interesting to think about the the level of information that we're consuming now almost as sort of the base layer uh, in information layer that you know, maybe we'll look back on this and say, "How did anybody think that that this was worth consuming?" Like, it's sort of, we have this this river of information, most of which is un, unfiltered and and possibly not valuable in the slightest. And we're forcing our, we're taking up time, we're using our our thinking abilities to parse this information when you know information parsing could you know it's either a job for somebody or, you know, it could be, uh, you know, uh, you know, hesitate to say it, but it could be an algorithm. It could be any number of things that just limit in certain ways, uh, um, our access to the, to the data. So, so as to make sure that we're receiving like the most accurate sort of the, uh, the, the right data that we're looking for now, whether that's a generation of products that sits on top of that data layer I don't I don't know but the the need is there for an information filter that's not just unfortunately I mean the filters we have now are you know potentially our networks which are all just uh uh sort of self-validating echo chambers mm-hmm. right um and and so that's you know sort of another um potential problem there uh, but suffice it to say, I mean, this has been coming for a long time. Uh, as we've moved to the so-called, you know, information age, um, I think we're finding out that there's there's lots of data and and very very little information in there. Yeah, and certainly the rise of artificial
1: intelligence and smartware will provide a, a suite of technologies that are well suited for providing an editorial layer on top of all of this sort of wild west of rubbish then the the challenge shifts to what are the biases inherent in those editorial layers and how are they impacting us which is really the problem we had with old media um, but now it's moved from biases of direct actors to biases of indirect actors who program machines um which is just an interestingly different um context
0: yeah i think about um you know, I, I do lots of, uh, electronic music programming. And I think about, um, you know, when we talk about, uh, sort of the interface layer, uh, in terms of understanding biases, I'd love to see a bunch of knobs or something that say, okay, I'm going to turn up the bias on the, you know, the liberal side or the conservative side, you know, I'm going to turn up the false information a little bit or turn to, you know, like, like these, um, this, uh, this interface that allows me not only surfaces the bias, but allows me to alter the feed in such a way. So I can see what kind of information I would get if, if I were more interested in certain kinds of, of certain kinds of bias, certain kinds of editorial, like, uh, Hey, you know, I, I really want something that's moderate and that's just completely 100% fact, fact based. Okay. I want an editorial that's more free market or I want, um, you know, uh, you know, these sorts of things like filters we can play with. Um, But have, and we already have these filters in our, in our heads, right? Like, why do we decide to follow this pundit and not this other one? Why do we decide to listen to this band and not this other one? Um, but we're not surfacing those biases in a readily adjustable manner, right? Like we set and forget, right? We follow, and then we follow this person or this, this group. Uh, and then we forget why we did it in the first place. So now we've highly tuned our information feed and there's no exposure to how that tuning took place. Yeah. That's like the system that we had in the redesigned democracy piece in
1: 2013 for picking and following analysts and filtering what information you're, you're reviewing in order to make decisions about how you vote. Um, Same, same idea, slightly different context.
0: Yeah. uh, Listeners, there's what Dirk's referring to is a, a piece uh, that he published called "Redesign Democracy," which we'll we'll have a, a link to in the in the resources section. Uh, just some some thoughts on uh, how we might be able to uh, better interact uh, with ourselves and our government in a democratic fashion. So I think it's it's worth winding up this episode with um, uh, talking about some of the possible suggestions uh, or a possible uh cure well i don 't know if cures is the right word but but ways to mitigate uh false stories spreading online suggested by the researchers in uh, a New york Times article so um these weren't meant to be cure alls of course but but just you know sort of initial um, uh, initial ideas so so uh one suggestion was the idea that we might be able to label. Uh, stories o- almost as as if uh like a nutrition label which which I thought was interesting I you know I hardly look at nutrition labels I I do when I buy the thing for the first time mm-hmm. but I think that suffers from the same problem that uh, is sort of inherent in you know uh, sort of our our initial decisions around who we're following or what we're reading um and, and it still might be nice uh, I don't know what would be contained in that Uh, news story label, uh, you know, 99% fact-free, but but, but it's an interesting concept.
1: It could even be done with existing data, right? I mean, using Twitter, they can have an algorithm based around how many likes or retweets something gets or doesn't get, and the way that those things are treated can be converted into this kind of thing,
0: right? Or, yeah, or even, like, here's the fact-checking sites, right? Here are, like, the top 10 fact-checking sites in this you know based on on those this source has a certain certain grade uh as long as the content itself is being filtered through those fact checking sites sure. the infrastructure for which i don't think is generally happening right now right uh, another suggestion uh from that same article was that there there might be uh, uh sort of negative consequences to uh spreading false stories so whether that's uh uh pr- you know i don't know if that would be um, a series of grades that, that would demote accounts, um, or that would provide some, some warning, uh, Hey, other users, this account is notorious for spreading, you know, false stories, you know, and, and of course that would raise all kinds of issues in terms of administration. But that was another, another possibility was that, uh, uh, you know you could you could do this uh this grading or or demoting of accounts uh as a result of spreading false news. Yeah, I'm a fan of that kind of stuff um but it really
1: requires when you get down to the level of the individual it really requires a relationship between verifiable actual person and account otherwise it's just nonsense because you can keep spinning up fake accounts to do ridiculous things but um you know if you can If you can get past that part of it, then there's some interesting stuff there.
0: Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in The Digital Life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find the digital life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J O N F O L L E T T. Of course, the whole show is brought to you by Go Invo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G O I N V O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 249 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Nehmeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.